one. River has it. Triple D fell asleep in his desk last night in his five and a half handle range. Things will change, though, at 8.30 with the PPI coming out. By the dip yesterday in the CPI off the report. Bad, bad news out of Pfizer. Blue Putnam, he's going to join us at 8.35 to discuss the recent inflation numbers. It's Wednesday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Buyers up to that closing print yesterday, and it continues in the overnight session, pre-market session. S&P's up four and three quarters handles in the 4,700 handle. The buck is up a nickel, 103.89, still facing that major resistance in the lower 104. Bonds are up 10.30 seconds, got a little boost off the uh, auction yesterday, so at uh, 119 and 26.30 seconds. Crude trying to recover after a bashing yesterday, that's up 51 cents at 69.12. Gold under 2K, but it's up 310 at 1996.40. The weak link in silver down 3 cents at 22.98. And let's just call Bitcoin futures flat at 41495 Triple D, when is the last time you saw an overnight range of five and a half handles? It was really slow last night. And Joel is correct. I was basically falling asleep at my desk, contemplated quitting multiple times, but I got to pay the bills. It was a little bit of action. We had isolated pockets of action, but for the most part, that was a very slow night. Is the calm before the PPI storm, or are we starting to get into holiday trade? That is the question. Uh, well, the CPI, we usually get a bigger reaction off the CPI than the PPI, but who knows? Things could be uh, shaken up a little bit today, but uh, we have old Pump and Powell today, too. So another Fed decision. We all know pretty much a foregone conclusion that they're going to re- leave rates unchanged here, and he's going to be hawkish, and the market is going to go up. Maybe. I think that's what happened yesterday. I mean, the number was not great, but the buy-the-dip mentality in this market, you just cannot shake it. And even though we were down early, and even though the TLT was down early, even the TLT dip got bought. So bring in Money Mitch here. He's been away for a couple of days, so I want to get his thoughts here as well. Sometimes it's a good thing when you're away for a couple of days and you can get refreshed and maybe focus. And then other times I feel like it's a bad thing because you lose your feel. I don't know how money Mitch feels, but one, um, you know, how are you feeling coming back into the end of the fray? Well, there's one thing for certain is I left feeling like the markets were bullish and uh, they're still well, bullish, baby. I mean, they didn't change in that sense. I no. mean, it just seems like this market can't be broken. Um yes. And now the the narrative is starting to slowly change. I'm seeing a lot of people start to talk about maybe a mild recession in 24, right? I think those are thoughts that we all need to have, right? Are we going to go into a recession in 24? Will we see a slowdown or will the optimistic market continue? Because it seems like this market is very optimistic and things are looking rosy. Yeah, the market, again, doesn't think long-term. It always thinks short-term. It's why we didn't start selling off in 2022 until they actually started lower or raising rates. I mean, he told us three months earlier that he was going to start raising rates, but the market is just like, ah, we don't care. It raises at once. It doesn't matter at all. And that's when, you know, remember I went to a lot of cash. And obviously, that was a very good call. My problem always the same thing is that I don't go back in, and I'm always late to go back in. So maybe I'd be better off just holding. But you know, we were in 2021, November, and the markets were sitting at the highs. And they told us they were going to start raising rates like crazy. We didn't listen. They didn't start raising rates till really, I believe, it was February or March. And that's when the market actually started selling off. 
So this market predicts nothing. It isn't worried about next year. It's worried about the next 10 minutes. That's the way high-frequency trading-driven markets work. And that's what we are. It's driven by a few major players. And right now, the bulls are in complete control. So don't worry about 2024 as of yet because it hasn't calendar turned. But I would be ready, you know, in 2024. But right now, bulls still winning. Uh, Tim came with some pretty strong comments on Monday uh, regarding, you know, the the bots and the citadels and uh, uh, interesting discussion and in the computer driven models that are driving uh, driving the price action. And they got the switch flip to buy, man. It, bye, 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 bye. Who knows what the what the catalyst will be to turn it to sell, sell, sell if it ever will. You always talk about uh, the calendar turn, but. Really, not too many potential catalysts out there. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens at 8.30. We'll see what happens with Powell. And that's the major catalyst that's obviously going to happen here in 23 minutes is we're going to get the PPI. And to Mitch's point, CPI yesterday wasn't great, but wasn't bad. It was a little bit on, you know, it was a little bit more than expectations of 0.1%. And they did hit the, the they did obviously hit the TLT off and they did hit the market off of it. But again, you just have so many money managers that are underinvested. Every offer gets scooped up. It seems like, what are you thinking on Oracle boys? Because we've come down to the, that we were talking about here. Is this the day to strike? It's a huge support level. Is there too many people looking at it? Do we do the old undercut and rally trick where maybe we tick 99, make sure you stop out a few of those people who are going to lean on a hundred bucks and then take it up. I wouldn't be surprised if we have the old undercut and rally trick on this one. Yeah, uh, an identifiable level, definitely an unidentifiable, identifiable level. And what I like what you said there. You try it once, right? You know, maybe, maybe it works. You know, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you catch a bounce. Not really trading up in the pre-market, but man, oh man. And, and but Oracle, you know, it's a, it's a thick stock, right? And it was a New York stock and heavily owned by institutions. You'll be able to see the pattern there when they come in. And then, Dennis, your, your pattern that you always like is it makes a low, and then it kind of distances itself for a little bit, a little bit of consolidation, and then, you know, you have a, a low to lean on. But, uh, wow, they just they, – they didn't care what the market did yesterday in Oracle. There were people headed for the exits. And look at the upper right chart. I mean, there's some major gaps to fill there now, two major gaps on the downside. I don't think I've seen that from Oracle in a long time. Uh, and again, and we'll get Money Mitch's thoughts here too, because I do want to hear what Money Mitch thinks about this. But I think you're just in this market where you don't want to strike on day one. And we've talked about this too, Mitch. And somebody in the yeah. chat saying, DJK saying three-day rule. I'm not sure it's yeah, a three-day like rule, mentioned. but it's a avoid on the first day rule for the most part. And again, we've seen this happen before. It's like they eventually come in and Oracle is like the poster child for this. It's mm -hmm. like disappoints earnings. It goes down. People forget about it. And then you look at it three months later and it has all the losses back somehow. I probably imagine the same thing happens here somehow unless we do go into a hard recession in 2024. But I do think the dip gets bought here. Are you looking at this? I mean, you're going to get back in the trading room here, Mitch. Are you looking yeah. at striking on something like this? Yeah, I'm with you on the red to green move. I think that's what you kind of have to look for. Um, so looking for moves back down, I say it might even touch 99. Um, if I look at the monthly, of course, I see the next low being at 99.87. So can you undercut that and then come back? That's what I'd be looking for. Um, and especially like you guys said, letting it kind of distinguish out because there's other better looking stocks right now, right? I think that a lot of people are looking at the bullish stocks to continue moving. And if they've taken this downward hit, it's a little bit of a harder pick than going with a stock that is continuing just to trend higher. Let's wait for some analyst downgrades on it first. You know? <laughs> there you go. That's the classic. Get, 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 you think they're coming? Right? Yeah. You think those are coming? They don't have those the guts. Come. They don't those have the come. guts. They're all buying the dip too. I think what you often see is a lot of upgrades when the stocks beat. But right now in bull markets, they don't have the guts. What do you get? Did you get one? Did you even get one downgrade? Did you get any uh, yeah, I'm, in the last I'm couple of days? What I about a for them. You probably yeah. usually there's one lemming at least. I'm just uh, no, there has man, there hasn't price been target lower changes. price target. Yeah, price lower target price changes. Targets. That's what and I that's expect just a, to see. They want to look right at the end of the year, so they lower their price targets wow. to make sure that they're close. Is this is this correct? 
Is this correct? The last analyst ratings here. This I wonder if Pro is wrong here. On what? what do you? I what do you see? I see the last analyst rating. Mm-hmm. No way, this can't be right. It is in April of 2022. No, you just no. have to sort it, sort it correctly. I sort. Uh, I did all. I did all. See if Mitch grab the last day. Uh, I'll show you. you oh no, no, I did last this? year. I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah, I did yeah, the yeah. last. I, year. I think he, he sorted 20, it he wrong. 2022 yeah, yeah I did the last year. So the last yeah. rating, uh, right there. What did they do? They all maintained. Uh, yesterday, they all maintained and they all lowered their price targets. <laughs> yeah, they did the chase of the price target, right? Oh man, you, oh, you know man. how it goes. That that's just how it is right now. Can't break the buy the dip mentality. But did you guys see what happened from the COP? A pivotal agreement, of course, as oil just continuing to drop, and this, of course, affecting oil stocks yesterday, uh, signifying a landmark move to transition away from fossil fuels. So earlier criticism, of course, was aimed at the draft deal released on Monday that lacked a clear call for the phase out of the fossil fuels. So it's definitely a move away from fossil fuels, but some people are even criticizing that it isn't clear enough on the agreement. Wow, these stocks um, are I, I, I do think oil's had a rough enough year that this isn't the oil. This is like set up for the January effect where you get the reversal okay. come January 1st. I think you're buying oil stocks here now. I think you could be too early. Because you're going to see a little bit of the window dressing chasing. There was people who were positioned, money managers that were positioned in oil stocks. And that rally hasn't occurred. I mean, back to September when they were talking about $100 a barrel, that was your signal to sell. And now you get you know the difference here. And, and if you look even where 2023 started, just go to the XLE. I mean, it's down on the year. So this sets up for the January effect, meaning I think oil stocks could get a lift early January if you get a tech stock reversal and these stocks have actually moved opposite which is so interesting too oil is moving opposite to the market here they're seeing oil obviously coming down as deflationary which is what the market wants so eventually that will all reconnect because oil is the economy as well it's part of the economy but right now they just like oil going down that's why they continue to buy stocks so watch that inverse relationship to flip in 2024 maybe that first couple days of january but i think you got two more weeks yet where you could get some tax loss selling in some of these oil names and January effect is not here yet. Santa Claus is coming to town though. Where where is Warren? Where yeah, has is he shown up? Did he show up when I was gone or he's no, not buying? Man. He doesn't seem to be buying anything. I mean, mm. obviously, you know, maybe it's a little bit, you know, from from Charlie, you know, just um, you know, sit back and relax for a little bit, regroup. Um, I think there's some of that maybe happening here, but you know, Warren is not been striking an oxy here yet. Now, does that mean he doesn't strike? I don't know. He's bought a lot. We don't know how big he wants to get, but I think they're just regrouping over there at Berkshire. They had a huge loss. So let them regroup. And then, um, you know, I think probably in the new year, you're going to see Warren do some action. In a significant move, Pfizer has secured regulatory green lights for its acquisition of CGEN, of course, ticker SGEN, valued at $43 million. However, Pfizer anticipating that fiscal year 24 revenues to range between $58.5 billion and $61.5, factoring, of course, CGEN's contribution falling short of the consensus estimate of 63.17. Likewise, their projected fiscal year 24 adjusted diluted EPS estimated at a range of 205 to 225 on the high end, reflecting the anticipated impact of the acquisition, notably lower than, of course, the consensus here of 317. So Pfizer continuing to get hit here, and it's just not a darling. No, and and again, this was my fault. I put way too much, you know, here I predicted that there would be, you know, less demand for the COVID shots in the future. And yet I still bought Pfizer on the dip and I was way too early on it. I mean, at a certain point in time, it's all going to be priced in and they're going to give that zero, which I think that time is now. I think it's like priced in now. But I mean, this guidance down and again, Moderna following suit here. I know there's some news on Moderna as well. BNTX following suit here today. I mean, these Pfizer earnings falling are a lot to do with it. They were really fluffed up from the COVID shots and people aren't getting them anymore. Very few people. So that's where a lot of these, you know, is coming from here. Stock is eventually going to get to a point where it's just too cheap to ignore. 
Um, it's not like this is a startup pharma company. This is one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. It's going to do a lot of things, but they don't like it right now. They love Lilly. They hate Pfizer. Maybe that trade sets up to reverse in January too. And start writing these down. Oil, Pfizer, your dogs typically going to my January effect, not the textbook January effect, is that the leaders become laggards and the laggards become leaders the first couple of weeks of January. There is no laggard bigger than Ooh, Pfizer, yeah, Alibaba, sure. you know, Ooh. the oil stocks to a certain extent, all laggards. Those are the stocks I'm looking at January 1st. But this is December 13th. You don't want to be early. I will say, though, Pfizer is starting to get attractive from a valuation perspective. A uh, big plunge. And I mean, they did they just did not hold back at all. Heavy volume took it down to 26.10. And you've got to bounce over 27. So I'd use those parameters. 26 is probably a big whole number as well. But I think what uh, the most important point to bring up here uh, is, you know, when Pfizer was having that run, Remember, and I, I, I don't know if I could pronounce the uh, CEO's name right, Albert Borla or whatever. Do you remember what he was doing was with his selling? stock? He yeah. was selling. Well, he was and selling. here's what I'm talking about with the gap. And you weren't here yesterday, Money Mitch, but GPS mm -hmm. has had this ridiculous short squeeze. Like, I mean, the retail stocks of all <laughs> seasonality playing in. They're buying retail ahead of the holiday season. All this happening. The gap is still a crappy company. I'm, it didn't change. It's just getting <laughs> squeezed mean, here right now. And you have the founder, I just to enlighten Mitch, because he wasn't here yesterday. The founder's kid sold 30% <laughs> of his stake or $34 million. 35, $35. $35 million <laughs> worth of stock. He took yesterday. me out. <laughs> maybe he's buying a huge mansion, or maybe he's just like, I'm taking the money while the money is here to be taken. So, yeah. I mean, and you look at this stock, it's had such a run. Well, yesterday... We talked about this at 21.90 yesterday. It was a sell signal. Stock is down at 21.30. Again, Macy's too. So Macy's getting the oh. big bio. JP Morgan jumping on the bandwagon. Twitter all saying, yeah, the Man. real estate's worth $30. <laughs> I've said on this show, I do not think the real estate is worth as much as this market and JP Morgan thinks it's worth. So Ooh. Macy's, I thought it was a selling opportunity. It absolutely was. The stock has come down now two points from that 21 takeout price. Everybody thinks, oh, it's going to get 25 or 30, the bidding war. For Macy's, this isn't like a, a an asset that everybody's hungry for. They got a bid. They should have <laughs> taken the bid. 21 yeah. bucks, not a bad price. So 25 and, and 30 is pipe dreaming. I don't think you're going to get a bidding war going for Macy's. I don't think that real estate in this, mar this market where you've got an economy that is buying everything online, that commercial real estate, you can't value it in 1995 pricing, J.P. Morgan. Value it in 2023 pricing. And commercial real estate is worth a hell of a lot less than it was three or four years ago because people are not going to the physical stores like they used to. So sorry, I'm not on the Macy's bandwagon. Sorry, Twitter, because they were all excited because they're Macy's dog, which if you want to talk about <laughs> value traps, Pfizer is a value trap. Macy's has been a way worse value trap. So I would be selling all rallies in Macy's here. I think, you know, again, seasonality plays. It's probably going to be rumors again. You're probably going to get another pop. But I don't think yeah. you're getting 25 or 30 bucks. We, we talk about this consistently, uh, you know, when there's rumors. And I, I, these companies uh, that were rumored to do it, uh, Red, uh, was it Bluebird, Redbird, something like that? Um, Red hmm, I don't even know. I can't think. I didn't really know of them being that super active in things. And uh, and we always talk about, you know, that initial price that, that even went over 21 in Monday session over the takeout price that not even accounting for the time value of money. Because everybody thought they're going to get a better bid. We're back in 19. We're back to three years ago where one bid begets another. And it doesn't matter the business because everybody's just lush with money. That's yeah, screaming. And and I, again, this rally that we've had in all these dogs, not talking the good companies. We buy good companies at reasonable valuations. Macy's, I'm sorry, is no longer a good company. Mitch, are you with me on this a little bit? Yeah, no, I'm think? completely with you. I just I'm just pointing to more of that kind of A and F run, right? I think that that's what's driving the boat here. Squeezes like that. Um, but that was A and F isn't a squeeze. A and F is a little bit different story. And that stock earnings. has been hot. That stock is at all time highs. I mean, it's yeah, in a completely. To, I think the valuation is definitely uh, their niche. 
the teeny boppers go in there and get a $15 shirt. They're not going to Ralph Lauren, you know, with, you know, their $200 shirts or whatever the heck they are. A and F is is doing well because it's just a niche. A, but Abercrombie even American Eagle well that wasn't the best niche. earnings, right? American Eagles wasn't the best earnings. They got a down gap off of their earnings, and they're right back up. Yeah, but Mitch, we can't look at the price action to tell us it was a bad earnings. That's a Kramer trick. That's no, I Kramer actually, does. I, I know the we want to look at what I mean, was happening there because the A and F report was actually excellent. Go grab the report. The ANF report was good. The reason it sold off on that report, a buck 83 versus a buck 18. Sales growth 12% to 14% wow. versus the prior 10%. The ANF report was excellent. The reason it sold off on the report was it had just run too far too fast, high expectations. But that's why you buy good companies at reasonable valuations. And Abercrombie and Fitch is firing on all cylinders. So I would not put ANF into the Macy's. Now, I'm not chasing A&F up here. I'm not saying come in here and chase. You're getting the retail. If I was in it, though, I'd keep riding it here at this point in time because you're in the seasonality. But I'm, my point is that not all retailers are the same. I how about how about Paul uh, Lejuez, uh from Citigroup yesterday? Standing out, you know, we talked about analysts being lemmings. He downgraded Macy's to a sell yesterday and announced a $14 price target. That and, and you know what, contrarian. and that was maybe why it sold off a lot more because that was an eye opener, and and people on Twitter were hating him for that. You know, people were coming on, and I think even Kramer was hating him on for that. You know, but it was a bold call. I'll give the guy props. Is it a guy? Who I was do it? too. I'll give him props. Yep. Is it was it a guy or a girl? Uh, a city group. Paul, uh, and Paul. then his last name Sounds is like L E J U E Z. I'll give him props for that. I Paul. do too. Because yeah. you took some guts to say, hey, ring the register here because this story hasn't changed because all of a sudden somebody thinks the real estate's worth more than it is. And you know, how, 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 you know, it was Macy's taking this bid. Are they going to go off the board at 21? Are they going to take it? We saw what happened with Coles, folks. I got burned by the Coles. Once bitten, twice shy. You know, $60 bid going to happen. The stock's at 35 bucks. Like, well, you know, that sounds pretty good. Well, now the stock's $25 after a big run, and that $60 bid is nowhere to be found. These old-school retailers, I don't think, are getting bought. Yeah, just uh, just going back to the commercial real estate thing, I mean, that has definitely participated in the rally over the last month. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't deny it. I mean, the VNQ in the last month, look at that rally. So, All I don't that know. Stuff I, has. The IWM has. So, I know I'm cutting people off here, but this is something we've been talking about. It's been the everything rally. We're not saying, oh, there's no catch-up trade anymore. The catch-up <laughs> trade caught up. So, we already had the catch-up rally here. The catch-up trade is gone. The IWMs went from 162 to 187. We had the catch-up trade. It happened in November in the, in the last six weeks. So does that mean all of these companies are now set up for this huge bull run in 2024? Or is this just another selling opportunity for a lot of companies who are struggling? I think it's the latter. Oh, you got a great formation here in the IWM, whereas the S&Ps have... Uh you know, been making new highs and new closing highs by a nice margin. Uh, you have uh, four out of five highs at one. This is called 187.70. So uh, trading down a dime here, uh, off it by a buck in the pre-market. But I mean, also, Dennis, I mean, but IWM, I mean, is it really caught up? I mean, compared to the S&P? I mean, no, 244. It, it, why should it, Joel? Why should, let's stop. This is a great conversation. It is. Why should the IWM catch up to the S&P? Does it have all the AI stories in there? It's got a bunch of banks. Four, I think it's 12% banks. It's got you know a bunch of retail. It's got a bunch of stuff that quite frankly, the economy just doesn't need as much of anymore. So I'm long IWM. And I think there <laughs> was a catch up trade and I think it's been happening. But do I think the IWM should outperform the Qs from the for the foreseeable next 10 years? Like buy banks, buy these old school Macy's, let's go buy all these other companies that are just struggling. And you know, these are gonna be the ones that drive the next bull market. No, you know what's gonna drive the next bull market? AMD and Nvidia again, and people don't want to hear it because they're stuck with all this crap. The banks have been a bad investment for 20 years. 20 years, the banks have gone basically nowhere. You know, Citigroup down significantly. 
You know, where is Citigroup down? Even after losing, bring up that long, long-term chart. I don't even know you can do it on this system. But where where is Citigroup gone? Like people, ah, it's a good run, 38 to 48. It's another ring the register opportunity here, though, because when you really look, people aren't, you know, they're just not, this isn't the future. The they don't go they're, they're trying to fight. The Bitcoin comes in, the Bitcoin, I'll call it the Bitcoin. It comes in just trying to fight this. But there's your long-term performance of Citibank. Oh, fantastic investment. You bought it in 2007. You're down 90% on your money after holding it for 15 years. Once been, twice shy. I have zero banks besides a couple legacy Canadian banks and a couple Canadian banks. I think some of the Canadian banks are structured a little bit better, more reasonable valuations on some of them too. I think, and, and again, the mortgage books aren't sitting there all trashed in the Canadian banks because after five years, those Canadian banks are all free from these mortgages. All these regional banks in the U.S. have 30 years to try to get rid of this crap. So good luck. So that's why I like the Canadian banks better than the U.S. banks. But I have very few banks in my long-term portfolio. And the reason for that is, one, the growth isn't there. But two, everybody, their whole reason the economy keeps going is because all these banks loan this money too cheap. And all the consumers still got money. And the banks are sitting with a lot of bad mortgages. Mitch, Mitch made some great videos on this. This stuff still kind of happened. It's not. It's just been put on hold because we're all, you know, like, oh well, the Fed's going to lower rates right away, and it's going to save all this. That's what I think yep, the regional yep, banks still have a lot of problems ahead of them. J.P. Morgan still. I'm still happy with my J.P. Morgan. That the reason I bought that during the war is I'm like, well, it's going to be the only bank around, right? Who's uh, the smart but, uh, one? It's yep. Jamie Dimon. What did yep. we say on this show? If you want to own any bank, it's J.P. Morgan. So yep. there's always an outlier. We can go to a sector. And you can say, you know, the 99 stocks be down in the sector, but one is up. The chat will point out the one that is up and say you're wrong, Dennis, because that's what they like to do. <laughs> I'm right on this. The banks, if you've been investing in banks for the last 20 years, you are massively, massively <laughs> underperforming the market. And I don't think the catch-up trade could happen maybe a little bit in January, but I don't think banks are the future. Okay, All right, we gotta switch. To we gotta PPI. switch gears here. We gotta switch gears here for the PPI. So Dennis, yeah, I gotta go, go wide. wide. Yep. And uh, wide and take a breath. Like, uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> Who needs no, to breathe? breathe? Woo! Yeah, he doesn't need no oxygen. All right, guys. So uh, core PPI year over year is expected to come in at two point two percent. Prior being two point four. Uh, month over month is expected to come in at 0.1 prior being a negative 0.5 year over year aspect for PPI at one versus a 1.3 being the prior. Let's see what happens here. Will we see continued inflation come down? I think we might just see inline numbers, but let's find out, right? Let's find out how this works. Let's see if it really shakes up the market. Of course, yesterday, kind of, you know, buy the dip mentality won again. Let's see if it wins this time. Yeah, that, it went over to the end of the regular session a little bit. We had to pop, and then it actually took out the pre-market low yesterday. Uh, I just tell you, there's there's not much resistance in here. The first number I can give you would be 47.22. Uh, that is your July 31st high, believe that. Uh on the downside of the pre-market low, 4700 That's even like a gap up from the regular session yesterday. Uh, the closing price, if the bears want to do anything today, they got to get it at least red on the session. And uh, the closing high for the move comes in at 4697 in a quarter. Everyone's quiet here, 829 We did. We had some algo jumpers yesterday. We're about five seconds uh, from the release here, at least. Uh, on my trade station, the people that pay extra money are getting the report right now. And here we go. <laughs> Where do I pay it extra money? Like, to, oh, <laughs> oh the, the, the pipes, man, the pipes. Uh, initial <laughs> move is up 07.75. Still bid, new high of the session. Breaking right. news. You should have it by now, Mitch. What do we yeah, have got on the USA. PPI? PPI month over month here in uh, under the estimate here at Ooh. neutral zero. Uh, the estimate was 0.1. So expected to come up prior being negative 0.5. We look at core PPI month over month and it also came in at zero. The expectations was 0.2 prior being zero. So that's actually a good outlook there. Year over year outlook for PPI coming in at 0.9 versus a 1% estimate uh, prior being 1.2. So uh, just slightly missing the estimate there by 0.1. Doesn't look too bad there. And core PPI 
at 2% versus a 2.2% estimate and prior being 2.4. Markets liking it, at least from the first reaction. It was yeah, now yesterday. Quiet. Yeah, look at that. Yep. Go it's ahead, exact opposite of yesterday where we 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 ticked we were plus we were 0.1% hot now we're 0.1% light on the estimates so it's like just there it's not really defining anything here In TLT line. is just shrugging it off it's pretty yeah well I got the unchanged at the PPI unchanged versus a 0.1% estimate so just just the 0.1% will um actually light slight down so, tick. yeah yeah slight See, down tick here uh, the bonds got a little bit of a, po- uh, a pop here yesterday. Dennis, I know you were keying on the bonds yesterday. I, uh, so we'll pull that up. Uh, the bonds up a half a point here. Uh, yesterday, well, it did. Just, what's the high of the move here? Now, let's see what happens at yesterday's high. You got a good number in the bond market here. Yesterday's high, 1 at 20 and 9.30 seconds. You missed it by just three ticks here, and you backed off a little bit. But certainly not the price action that you had in the bonds in the TLT yesterday. S&P, very, very quiet, Dennis. You probably didn't, uh, probably didn't get That's to That's why I came back right there. away. We didn't move. <laughs> we ticked up two points. Yeah, just kept the the party going. Uh, it doesn't seem like the party wants to stop. And why it doesn't want to start until a calendar turn. This is exact opposite of last year. We were talking and preaching. And if you listen to those late December shows, we talked about the turn potentially in January for all of these you know, tech stocks that were just destroyed. And it's exact opposite now. You've had a lot of rally. People forget. They don't pay attention to these seasonality trends, but they do work. And I think you're strong into the end of the year. And I think the calendar effect will derail, short term at least, the rally. But that's a calendar effect. So you got to stay long. You got to, like, don't be early here. You know, don't start shorting by, you know, maybe not buying those laggards two weeks ahead of it because Santa Claus is probably still coming to town. I just think after, you know, so long in January, I think that the Santa Claus rally will fizzle out. Yeah. Will this be like the beginning of January 22, where it went sideways at right at the beginning, of the first four or five days? And then we just started a big downtrend after that. So that's that's all the worry that's out there. Um, what do you say we get to our guest today? I see uh, Blue ready to go here. Let's get to our guest a little earlier. You guys smashed the like. Of course, it's time for a little blue time. We all need some blue time, right? Let's get to it. <laughs> you love that intro, Blue, don't you? Uh, that's right. <laughs> Blue I mean, Putnam. we all need Blue Putnam. Managing Director, Chief Economist over at my old stopping grounds, the CME Group. Blue, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, these inflation numbers are going the right direction. And uh, we've been with you. We've been following uh, your, your, uh, your analysis of this for a very, very long time here. And, of course, we have the more important Fed meeting today. Uh, but... Let's talk about let's just talk about the data we got a little bit hot yesterday. Okay today. I mean, are are things I mean, is it just that easy to whoop inflation? Well, <laughs> it's never easy to whoop inflation when it's been embedded in the system a long time, like the late 60s, 70s, but or like Argentina or other places. But you know, we we only we had a pandemic surge. And uh, we know supply chain screwed up. We know there was a fiscal stimulus. We know the rates went to zero and there was quantitative easing. All those things are gone. So, uh, hey, inflation's coming down. It's just a matter of when the Fed wants to uh, agree with that statement. When, when does the, yeah. so, so I want to just ask that. And that's the question. That's what everybody wants to know. And I mean, this market is still pricing in some massive rate cuts for next year. Do they just start cutting out of the blue? Does he start talking about it today and saying, yeah, we've beaten inflation. Let's start cutting rates. I'm of the impression that he's probably not going to be that quick to cut rates unless we start to see this economy teeter. But, you know, you're the economist here, Blue. What are your (laughs) thoughts? Well, I think we're going to be listening to Jay Powell today uh, talking a lot about the dot plots that uh, his colleagues on the FOMC you know, they forecast where they think Fed funds will be at the end of 2024, and they talk about where they think unemployment and the inflation will be. And and those uh, those forecasts have been evolving in a very positive direction for the Fed. And I think you'll see another in- incremental move where 
the people that think rates could be higher, maybe one person left or something, you know, and the people that think rates will be lower, there'll be one or two with dropping in a, not four cuts, but maybe two cuts, things like that. So I think, he, you know, how he explains the dot plots without declaring victory is going to be his, uh, he's just going to say, we have to wait a little longer. We're not there yet. Core inflation's still in the threes, you know. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that that inflation is, uh, is, is under control and it's just a matter of time for the Fed to agree. So I would think the agreement comes in March. Uh, that's another dot plot meeting. Right. And the dot plots are important because if his message in the press conference is inconsistent with the dot plots, he's going to get buried in the press. And he knows that. So he has to he has to work with where his consensus is going. Uh, and it's going toward uh, we don't really need to keep rates at five and a quarter to five and a half if the inflation rates three. Forget two. You know, if it gets to two, you can definitely cut. Oh, and by the way, it is two. It's below two. If you take out that uh, very silly and confusing uh you know, owner equivalent rent for shelter out of 25% of the headline, we're under 2%. We've been there for four months. So I'm so declaring be, victory. <laughs> would you be buying bonds? Because obviously, you know, we've been really beat up the bond market, had a historically bad year here. If you think, you know, maybe rates are peaked or at the peak, would you be buying bonds? Well, you know, when the uh, 10 year went up to 5%, a lot of buyers uh, emerged and, and we drove the rate, you know, all the way down to like 420 and now it's bouncing back up a little bit. You know, um, the, the thing about the bond market that keeps it on edge is that there are two reasons for rates to go down. Good inflation numbers, the Fed can cut maybe a percent uh, and still be considered restrictive. Okay. Now, bad economic numbers, that's a whole like you're interesting. That's a different story because that's where the Fed cuts faster. Uh, I don't see the bad economic numbers. Uh, so I'm not, I haven't uh, had them yet. you know, we, we're still in pretty good shape on the labor markets. I mean, we're coming back to some kind of 2019 levels on a lot of things. The number of job openings have come down, but they're still above pre-pandemic. Uh, voluntary quits are still happening, but they almost at 2019 level. So, you know, we're the post pandemic recovery is pretty much done. So we will get some slower job growth next year. But are we talking recession? I don't think so. Uh, a lot of people were, uh, you know, are, are uh, harking back, harkening back to uh, transitory. This inflation is transitory. <laughs> right? So is this is it going to be the opposite here? In fact, I think I heard uh, you know Jeremy Siegel on, and uh, he was like, you know, I hope I hope he's not as stubborn as he was raising rates as he as he <laughs> down. And also, I mean, the market just to me, I think he's been very very um, open about about rates and higher for longer. And, but the but the market doesn't believe it. So just uh, just talk about it. is uh, is you know is, what's the new word? Give me the new word: transitory inflation. Or <laughs> well, you know, if word. we step back, like if we're sitting in 2027, and we look at a picture of the CPI, we're going to call it a transitory. But transitory will be measured in three years, not three months. I think the Fed got carried away that it they didn't realize inflation was going to go up as much as it did as fast as it did, and it shocked them back in 2022. But really, this this was a pandemic inflation surge, remove all the causes, and hey, the inflation disappears. So, you know, that's, that's uh, one way of looking at it. But the Fed has a credibility issue uh, with how they've handled this. But I do agree with you. Jay Powell's very clear that he's keeping the option to raise rates open, but he's not going to use it because the data is so much better. You know, these guys are data dependent. Data dependent is another way of saying I have no confidence in my forecast. Uh, and I, I fully understand that. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, but that also means you're going to be late. And when you're late, when things change and you're late, you tend to move a little faster than you had planned. <clears throat> okay. All right, Blue. So uh, you're just slow and steady uh, wins the race. And that's what looks like we're we're getting right now uh, with, with the bond market. I mean, what what could derail this uh, this rosy scenario here? We're waiting uh, another month for uh, obviously gets a volatility today, but I mean, it, what 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 is something that 
we're all overlooking that may uh, upset the, this rally. And well, you, you need something that dominoes through the economy. It okay. can't just be one thing. I mean, you know, we talk about commercial real estate. We all know about that. It rolls off over the years as the leases expire. It's not going to cause a recession. You know, we know about the possibility of some big strikes, but most of them have occurred and we're out of that. So what's uh, left on the list? I would think the, not my forecast, but if the government were to shut down for a long time in February and into March, okay. that would be get serious. The first three weeks don't count much. Um, but after you've been out of work for three weeks, uh, things start to change and it starts to affect more of the economy. It would be about a million federal workers that would be furloughed. And they do get their pay back after they come back to work. But it's the question is, how long are they out of work? And what kind of res, you know, how that goes through the economy. So that would be, uh, I think, a serious risk for next next February. Are you uh, worried? The other risks are things oh, that ahead. we just don't know what they are. They they come out of nowhere, you know. And those are the the true black swans. If I knew what they were, I'd tell you the probabilities, but I don't. <laughs> blue. What came out of the what came out of the blue? I'll use the blue pun there yeah. for you. What came out of the blue last year though was the regional banking issues that we yes. saw in the spring. And a lot of those issues really have not gone away. They still have a lot of residential mortgages on the book. A lot of these banks are still paying, you know, getting paid at 3% and paying 5%. And that can't be good, you know, long term here. And a lot of these mortgages are not coming out. Now, again, lower rates would fix this. So the Fed has a problem to fix this. But are you worried at all about the banks? Well, <clears throat> let's, let's uh, separate the issue of what the impact is on the economy. Uh, I think it's very little. I think we've absorbed the pullback of the regional banks. Now, you talk about regional bank stocks, that's a little different story. These issues, just like you said, have not gone away for the banks, but they're not no longer serious for the economy. The, you know, the regulators came in and stopped the systematic risk from taking over. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to look at regional banks and say that's a reason we could have a recession. And, and the other thing is a lot of private credit money <clears throat> is coming in to fill the gap. Not so much with the local small business lending, but in the larger business lending uh, that some of these regionals were doing uh, that, you know, there are other people coming in to take their place if they're not there. So that's not a reason for a recession, but it's not a good reason to buy those uh, regional bank stocks either. Now, of course, uh, wage inflation comes into play, right? Of course, we've all seen it. I mean, a lot of people right now are probably knocking on the door to the boss saying, Guess what? I need more money. Inflation's still high. How will that play in with the Phillips curve, right? Bring a nice economic uh, theory here. How would that play in, Blue? Well, I don't think it plays to the Phillips curve. I'll come back to that. I think it plays to the stock market. If okay. the wage gains increase, who's paying for that? I don't think the consumer is going to pay because there really isn't any inflation in the goods market. Service inflation's coming down. Uh, so I, I do think that the uh, if, if, if the wages picked up speed, I would worry as much about the stock market as uh, anything else. The, the, the Phillips curve, the idea that there's this trade-off between unemployment and inflation and things like that, it was a great idea in the 1950s and 60s when we were a manufacturing economy and a housing economy. As a <clears throat> two you know, we're a service economy now. You know, you generally don't borrow money for most services. Uh, so it's not as we don't have as interest rate a sensitive economy as we used to. Uh, but I do think that the wage gains come from a, you know, economists measure inflation over 12 month intervals. That the history of that is that's just a crude way of doing seasonal adjustment, even with seasonally adjusted data. It's just, you just look back a year. OK, but the year is totally arbitrary. Consumers look back. 24 months, 36 months, they remember where prices used to be and they say, hey, they haven't come down. And the economist says, yeah, but they're not going up anymore. So if they're not going up anymore for 12 months, the economist says inflation zero. And you say, wait a minute, they're still 10% above where they were. So that's the that's the sentiment issue and that's not going away. That's for real. <clears throat> There's no- Yeah, the prices argument. aren't coming back to where they were ever. We're just ever. not going up as fast as we were before. And that's the sentiment problem. And there's still plenty of catch up to do on wages. Wages lost ground to capital, if you will, over the last 20 years. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So they got a lot of catch up if labor has a little more power. And the market's still very healthy. 
But Blue, isn't that a vicious cycle where wage growth, you know, people want raises. Well, if you want raises, then they got to charge more for the products to be able to pay the people more money. And then it just continues the little spiral. Well, wait a minute. What if they don't charge more for the product? Then it comes out you Just of accept less profits? Yes. That would be nice. Well, that's the realism of uh, interest rates staying above the rate of inflation. Capital isn't cheap. You've got to be much more careful with your investments, with your payroll, with your travel expenses. Uh, otherwise, it will come out of profits. So uh, I, I'm telling you, this is a tough time to be a CEO. It was much easier from 2010 to 2019 when rates were zero and everything was growing and all that. This is much harder now. Okay, Blue. Before we let you go, I don't know if we're going to talk to you again before the end of the year, but uh, pull your pull your crystal ball out from under your desk. And when we have you on the show in one year from today, forget about the <laughs> dot plots. Forget about Powell. Forget about everything. Forget about the election. Hopefully, we're still around after the election. <laughs> we're, all right. So a year ago, the Fed funds rate was at four, a little bit higher now. Where do you think it will be one year from now within a range? I think we're going to, and I'll give you my, I think, I think we're going to be right around here. Uh, maybe a little bit lower, maybe a little, I don't know about higher, but I think, I think steady rates for longer is what this economy needs. Now I've done my, my research on the history of the Fed funds futures, trying to forecast these things. Yeah. And they tend to be late on the first cut. And they tend to assume not as they're usually more cuts than they assume. So uh, I'm going to go with my research here uh, and uh, say that we're more likely to be closer to 4% uh, at the end of the year than at, than at 5%. Okay. And by the way, that comes with a great deal of lack of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> That's economist, baby. That's it. Oh, you're our favorite economist, one of our favorite guests, been uh, guiding yeah. us through this inflation uh, for well over a year now. Blue Putnam, chief economist over there at the CME Group. Blue, always a pleasure. If we don't talk to you before the end of the year, have a good new year, and we'll be dialing you up early in January. That's right. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays, indeed. Thanks, All right, let's get back to the markets. How are we looking? Uh, someone in the Creeping chat higher. bringing it up. Creeping TLT higher. dropping? Is the TLT uh, leaking? What's going on? Yeah. yeah, but the market doesn't care. Not much. Not, Not much. No. We've had about a no. 10 cent move here. This has been the quietest response to a PPI that we've seen in a while. I mean, we're up about four yeah. handles on the S&P since the number. I feel like the TLT is in the exact same spot. I feel like it didn't even move. Like yesterday was like the lie detector test. You had TLT tank and then the stocks tanked. Then they bought both. Because that's what they do, you know, when you just have stocks tank, that's just what this market does. It just buys a dip relentlessly. Yeah. But, I mean, it was a tell. There was an opportunity there. There's no tell here today. TLT just kind of hanging out. Didn't know what what to think. I want to cover NVIDIA here for uh, Pablo uh, popping in the chat here because this is just a great, uh, great setup. Let me get the pre-market trading in here. Uh, the other... The other uh, chip stocks have been going. This has just been in a little bit of a, a pause mode here. But no. uh, man, I got to just this this high from uh, from three days ago, seventy seven forty one, four seventy seven forty one. That coincides almost perfectly with the fifty percent retracement of this move. If in fact you can establish the sustained bid above that four seventy seven area. And I say, look out, and you're going to blow the doors off to, you know, uh, maybe make another run for 500. But it got back half of this move, and it's trying. Traded down today a little bit, a buck 57. But uh, keep an eye on that, Pablo. That's a, that's a five-star number for you today. Five yeah, and it's a catch-up trade that we're seeing happen. I mean, the AVGO move here <gasps> has been nothing short of astounding. I mean, this thing gains 100 bucks and tax on another 50. Like this thing is, is on fire. And again, valuation was attractive. We liked it down there at 850. We liked the PE at 18 to 19 times. Earnings starting to expand. I mean, it's gone now, but you'll get an eventual yeah, pullback. Man. And that one would be on my shopping list. My AMD doing very well. Catch up trade here. Once again, I always say don't bet against Lisa Sue. She'll be a player here and a major player. And I think the market is starting to realize that, that it may just not just be just NVIDIA 
it's going to be other players here as well. AMD is going to be one of those. And uh, Intel not, not not doing too bad as well. Intel's uh, come back, and I sold my Intel badly. Um, took a loss. Yeah. Didn't need to take a loss. I guess that shows you. Just don't take it a does, loss. Uh, right? Just hold. And eventually, Dennis, they all come back. Dennis, you weren't here last down week. Down ninety nine percent. If you hold long enough, eventually it comes back. Hold on. Uh, Dennis, you weren't here last week, but I mentioned that I could see AMD and Intel outperforming NVIDIA for the rest of the year. Could you see that continuing? Um, Yeah. I mean, it has. Now, again, it's been such an outperformance here for AMD in the last little while. I mean, AMD is up in the last month. We're talking about a stock of 50%. <laughs> yeah. NVIDIA in that last month is up you know, 10%. So it's, it's kind of happened that trade. So it was a good call by you, Money Mitch. Yeah. Does it continue? I think it continues maybe, but I think in the long run, it's, it, I think there's a, there's definitely some catch up trade for AMD here and I'm long AMD, but I'm long Nvidia too. So at a certain point in time, the catch up trade, that's a pretty good catch up 50, 40% in a month. So yeah, it was I a good mean, call by you for sure. And IBM, man, I get, we got to say it guys. Um, we missed this because I mean, I, I monthly is, is going, man. The monthly yeah. charts are now starting the to AI push. story. Mitch. Yeah. And this was another one. I had it. I was long it and sold it. Shouldn't have sold it. I did. I, I did pretty well. I, I actually I was down in it for a while, and I bought it at one thirty six. I sold out at one forty eight or one forty nine, like right right in there, just because I thought that one fifty area looked toppy. It has continued. I mean, the bull market has grabbed everything, and especially some of these you know laggard AI plays, which IBM would be considered a laggard AI play. So moving to yeah, IBM's been a good one too. Again, you wonder if there isn't a trade reversal on some of these, you know, come January where the AI story cools off for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But um, I screwed this one up too. Look at that 120 to 140 consolidation. I mean, you did spend a little bit of time above it at the end of 2022. Came right back down to that area. But, you know, don't feel bad, Dennis, because uh, Warren stuck with this one for a long time. And he got out of it too. So, um you know, can't always catch them. Gotta just get hold longer. Hard. I need to take some of the trading out of my long-term portfolio. What, I, how I've done well over the long-term, my long-term portfolio is holding stocks for a long period of time, and I traded too much now. What probably hurts my long-term performance too is honestly because I like to tell you guys what I'm doing in my long-term portfolio, um, and I think that when the stocks go down, I have literally like. 10 people a day telling me how shitty my stock is really? and it starts to get in your head oh yeah joel like pfizer i'll hear about that today you know because yeah, they know i own it and people I mean, and normal. i have those haters out there that just like it's to normal. ride me so it gets in your head it'd be better if i just didn't talk my long-term portfolio i forgot about it but i can never forget about my long-term portfolio like everybody else because i have hundreds of twitter people that remind me every day that i own alb that i own lithium that I own Pfizer. They will mention nothing about me owning AMD. Nothing at all. Because they want to get under my skin. Like, that's what it is. You know, like, I'm like the 1% of what Kramer gets. I can't even imagine Kramer. You know, he probably has a thousand of these people every oh, he, day. But he just, probably or, doesn't or look. Tens of thousands. Just he probably doesn't look. Them. Yeah. So it kind of sucks. So <laughs> I think I think I did well in my long-term portfolio. I think I did better before because I wasn't, like, I held the MasterCards for 20, for 15 years. You know, I held, you know, some of these other names and had huge gains like Apple. I had in my long-term portfolio for seven years. Google I had for 10 years. I mean, I think I did better before, but now that it's in my face all the time and you start to second guess yourself and you're like, well, yeah, maybe I should take the loss on this one, even though it's a good company. Like the AMD, I almost shook out of all that too. Um, and you know, obviously that's, you, you know, wrote that you know, one, really that, that one you wrote up and you, you I remember I wrote it up and then that. I, and then, then I, I did sell some of it and I wrote the, the one part all the way back down and I was like, well, why didn't I sell it? Now it's come all the way back up. So sometimes you just, as a long-term investor, you just got to ignore all social media, ignore, you know, just buy good companies at reasonable valuations and try not to overtrade them. Um, I overtrade in the short term. I do well trading. Long-term, the trading probably negatively impacts my long-term performance. So bottom line, if you got stuff in there for the next 10 years, try not to even think about it. Just buy good companies at reasonable valuations. All right, guys, let's start wrapping it up. Uh, there's only one last mention. I'm just going to touch it really quickly. We won't got to get in too much in it, but I did want to touch, of course, Tesla is falling today on recalls of more than 2 million vehicles on a fix to its autopilot defect. 
Um, I can see this stock filling in that gap that's right there on the daily. So that's kind of the quick comments for you guys. I'm watching for a gap fill between, let's say, 230, 225, somewhere in there. Um, I could see it definitely getting down below that. All right, let's Tesla, get let's Tesla, Tesla. Um, again, we've got a laggard trade. This looks tired to me. I am concerned. I've said this before on Tesla. I am concerned that about his mouth. You don't know what he's gonna say next. I think he did tick a lot of people off with what he was saying a couple of weeks ago. We don't have to go back into it. I think when he's saying F-bombs on CNBC, it's turning certain people off here as well. That's the scary thing because eventually people will, you know, well, if they start to dislike him enough, they will show it by not buying his products. Now, obviously, Twitter is a mess because of that. So that's the concern with Tesla. He is a genius, you know, and I've always loved his brain. You know, the things that he's accomplished are amazing, but his mouth definitely interferes with, you know, maybe what he's trying to accomplish. And I do think that, Tesla, I see them on the roads. I mean, they've done amazing things there, but I'm scared of the Elon Musk mouth, honestly. That's why I probably stay away from this one even more than the valuation. Okay, uh, just made a new high to session, 09 and a quarter. I just want to, real quick, uh, Pablo asked about Palantir. Holding that earnings gap, and uh, you just got a firm buyer here at 17. That was the low on earnings day, so good I to go. I was looking at this one, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What what I do mean, you what do you guys think? What are you thinking? I, I'm I'm thinking as long as this holds 17, it holds that gap area, then you can retrace uh, a little bit of this move from 21 to 17. That's about four bucks. So two bucks, night get to 19, 19 and a quarter. But I think you just gotta let it go here under 17, but seems to be a nice bid there uh after the recent retreat. So that's what I'm I thinking just think it's well for the end of the year trade like the run-up it's a it's a, a stock it's got an ai story attached to it people have forgotten about it for a little bit i feel like pltr is going to be a good santa claus rally stock so i think buying pltr today at 1761 and i may be wrong obviously we're wrong sometimes but i feel like this one sets up i don't have a position but i was looking at it yesterday and i actually wrote it down on my sheet just you know maybe you're positioning for the next couple of weeks in the stock Obviously, I think, you know, you've outlined where you'd stop out below and you should any trade you can put on. You got to have contingency plan on where you're stopping out of it, especially if it's not a long term investment. Don't let this trade become the long term investment. But I do think that there's going to be a Santa Claus rally in PLTR. OK, Doesn't seem right. like a bad one to watch. Right. I mean, definitely has the AI play. Right. All right. Let's wrap up the market here. Um, what do you see on the driving the bus today, Dennis? And what should we keep a lookout for? Um, I think the same thing. It's just this bull cannot be derailed. Seasonality is coming into play here. If you're getting bearish, I think you're early here. And I'm buying dips, and I'm even looking at Oracle here. I don't know if I'm striking today. I do think there could be the undercut and rally trick. Like I said, I'm 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 thinking about buying Palantir today, to be honest. Um, PLTR, and I I just think we set up. You know, you've got to you've got to keep even if you're bearish into 2024, which I am. You gotta be cognizant that seasonality drives price up usually during this period. And it's happened. Maybe the rally has already happened. Maybe they front ran, run Santa Claus here this year because it's been a significant rally for a lot of stocks. But I just feel like I don't feel like the bears have anything right now, especially in the next two weeks. Yeah, no ammo. No, I mean, very you start to get into the end of the year. We're through earnings season. Uh, we just gotta get through the Fed today, and we know we'll have uh uh, you know, some nice uh, rips and dips right here. Uh, the only thing I'm going to be focusing on today, at least in the short term here, is uh, your July 31st high basis. The March contract is what we're looking at here in the S&P. That'd be a nice target on the upside. Very thin, though. Very thin uh, as far as resistance goes. Uh, coming back on the downside, I mean, date 4,700. Uh, that's really above the uh, 4 o'clock high. That's above the close. So even if we did breach uh, the pre-market low, we'll see what happens at the closing high for the move at 97 and a quarter. And we are in the fifth day of this rally, a five-day winning streak. Uh, tomorrow, we got a good guest uh, joining us. Uh, that's going to be Mee Schneider. Uh, is going to be joining us uh, from Market Gauge to uh, give us her take on the markets. 
All right, guys, you can keep up with Dennis Dick and Joel Alconan. Of course, you guys see their Twitter handle right there. Give them a good follow and go do what you do best, Dennis. Get after it. Thanks, my Money friend. Mitch. Welcome back. I mean, obviously, you know, we missed you there. So we're back in the saddle here for a couple of weeks. Let's go trade them. Yeah, there's only a couple more days to make some return for 23, man. Got to get after it. Jump in here, see if you can get those numbers up there. Go, boys. Hey. Go. All right, guys, we'll get after it. Of course, you guys know Dennis is himself. Keep up with him. Give him a good follow on Twitter. Of course, like always, guys, all the information today is for informational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice. And opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Hosts and guests may maintain positions and securities discussed today. Now to bring you guys over to live trading. And I do want to let you guys know I am working on a big, big Outlook 24 videos with Guess what? More than eight experts on that video. So if you guys want to catch that, of course, it will be right here on Benzinga. How do you do that? Well, hit the subscribe right now and be subscribed so that you guys get notified when we release that outcome video. Looking into next week, right now, December 20th seems to be the date, but I wanted to give you guys the insight so that you guys don't miss that. Put it on the calendar. It's going to be a great day for us right here, of course, on Benzinga. Smash that like, and I'll see you guys over on live trading. That's coming up next. I've had a couple of days out. Time to go ahead and make some money. Let's get after it, team. Like always, smash the like. It's pre-market prep, the number one show to get your morning started.